This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. Here's what's coming up on African News Tonight. Those in diaspora uh, cannot be easily influenced by Nigerian politicians. And that seems like a possible excuse or rationale why the politicians refuse to amend the law to allow that provision. That's Nelson Olani Pekun, a Nigerian human rights lawyer and founder of social justice group Citizen Gavel. Details coming up. Also, Ghana soccer star's body recovered in the rubble from Turkey's quake has arrived home. Burkina Faso says joint operations with the French army is over. And former U.S. President Jimmy Carter is receiving hospice care at home. These stories and more on African News tonight. We start with our top story. Turning to Nigeria. My colleague Peter Cloti is in Abuja on special assignment to cover Saturday's presidential election. He has been talking to people there about their expectations for the vote, and he is on the line now to tell us what he is hearing. Welcome to African News Tonight, Peter. Thank you very much, yes. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. So, Peter, tell us about the mood there in Abuja as the elections draw near. Well, the expectations are very, very high. Uh, people are anticipating that there would be a new president uh, come next week because the elections are on Saturday. You have the presidential election, which is a much anticipated election. And then you have the House of Representatives election and the senatorial election. So these three elections are playing prominent role in discussions you have with people. However, people are displeased with the shortage of new currency in the system. So that is creating a bit of a problem because members of the ruling party themselves are, are complaining, expressing concern about the shortage of currency. And some people are saying that that could favor their petition come Saturday. So are you seeing a lot of campaign activity there? Absolutely. Um, everybody is completely everywhere. Uh, especially in the hotel, uh, there's, there are scenes of meetings that go in great deep in the night. Uh, so, you know, people that I've spoken with said these are strategic uh, strategy sessions where people are trying to come up with last-minute strategies to win their hearts and minds of So a court in Nigeria has dismissed a lawsuit that sought to allow Nigerians to vote outside the country in the February 25th election for president. The ruling means millions of Nigerians living abroad will have to return if they want to exercise their democratic right. Nigerians abroad contribute billions of dollars a year to the economy through remittances and supporters say the constitution should be amended so they can vote. Nenka Chile reports from Accra, Ghana. The court dismissed the lawsuit citing the constitution, which states that only registered voters residing in Nigeria have the right to vote. 
The lawsuit by two Nigerians living in Britain sought to halt the February 25 election until millions of diaspora voters were included. The government in 2017 estimated 17 million Nigerians live abroad, though not all of them are 18, the legal age to vote. The court's ruling February 15 agreed that Nigerian diaspora should be able to vote, but that it was for the lawmakers to decide, not the courts. Nigerians living abroad had hoped to cast their ballots for president at Nigerian embassies and consulates. Nigerian Patson and Bimoji is a music programmer living in Britain who spoke to VOA via Zoom. I feel sad. I would, I would have really loved to cast my vote and, you know, vote for my own preferred candidate because it's a very crucial election and um, Nigeria is at the tipping point where we need to actually get um, the leadership rights going forward. There are 18 candidates running for president in Nigeria's election Saturday. The front runners are former Vice President Atiku Abubakar, former Lagos State Governor Abola Ahmed Tinumbu, and former Anambra State Governor Peter Obi. Nigerians living outside the country can still vote, but only if they have a Nigerian address and fly home to cast their ballot, which most cannot afford. The Abuja-based Nigerians in Diaspora Commission says Nigerians abroad sent more than $20 billion back home in 2021, the highest in sub-Saharan Africa. Despite their contribution to Nigeria's growth, Diaspora have struggled to get support for voting from abroad. Nigerian lawmakers a year ago voted against the bill to allow diaspora voting. Nigerian human rights lawyer and founder of social justice group Citizen Gavo, Nelson Olanipeku, spoke to VOA via a messaging application. Those in diaspora uh, cannot be easily influenced by Nigerian politicians. And that seems like a possible excuse or rationale why the politicians refuse to amend the law to allow that provision. Olani Peku says Nigerians abroad should be able to vote for their leaders because their government affects them wherever they are. Festu Kusukoye is the chairman of Nigeria's Information and Voters Education Committee of the Independent National Electoral Commission. He spoke to VOA via a messaging application. The position of the commission has been very clear consistent. The commission supports diaspora voting. But we made it very clear that diaspora voting cannot take place uh, within the existing uh, electoral legal framework. One of the plaintiffs of the failed lawsuit for diaspora voting, Kenneth Nkemenacho, posted on Facebook that they would appeal the case. Neka Chile for VOA News, Accra, Ghana. The remains of Ghana soccer star Christian Achu arrived in Kara, Accra yesterday. The body of Hatyaspor's player was recovered from under the rubble of his apartment in Turkey in an earthquake, according to Ghana's Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Achu represented his country 65 times, helping the Black Stars reach the 2015 Africa Cup of Nations final. He also played in the Saudi Pro League for Al-Raid FC and represented several English clubs, including Chelsea, Everton, Bournemouth and Newcastle. For the latest on the football heroes' remains arriving in Ghana, I talked to Kevin Owusu Ansa, sportscaster at TV3 in Accra. On Sunday, um, 7.30 p.m. Ghana time, his mortal remains was brought back to Ghana with um, 
alongside um, his twin sister and then his elder brother, who are accompanied by Ghana's ambassador to Turkey, Honorable Francis Kashi Tudun in a Turkish air flight. It was welcome. He was welcomed by a high power delegation led by the Vice President of Ghana, Dr. Mahmoud Baumia, as well as the Minister of Information, Kajo Ponkoma. And then um, there was one other member of um, the team that is the Deputy Minister of Sport, um, Honorable Ivan Sopukububie, the family of Christian Atu, that is his extended family here, as well as some supporters from the Ghana Supporters Union and the media to receive his body. A short ceremony of prayer uh, was um, held um, by the Islamic uh, and as well as the Christian community before the military had to file past the body and then put back into the ambulance. A short speech of the vice president uh, commending that is the military uh, for their efforts and also promising that Christian choose final funeral rites and burial will be taken care of by the state and uh, they are going to provide every support as he finally expresses condolences. Also, the Ghana Football Association was duly represented by the General Secretary, Prosper Harrison Addo, who also expresses condolences and that made it clear that they will provide all the needed support to make sure that uh, Christian Atu has a very sound uh, rest uh, with his final funeral has been well taken care of. And uh, Kevin uh, Atsu represented his country 65 times, helping the Black Stars reach the 2015 Africa Cup of the Nations final. What What is the feeling of the people right now? Can you actually uh, express to us how the people are feeling? It's been It's been a very sorrowful moment. It's, it's, it's a state of grief, a state of mourning for every single person uh, who gets to know that Christian Atu did more than he just provided on the pitch. On the pitch, he was one of the excellent players to have ever represented the nation. He, he, he just touched the hearts of many to the point that anyone who has come to uh, terms with knowing that Christian Atu died from this unfortunate earthquake in Turkey um, is grieving with uh, the entire nation and the family of Christian Atu. So every single person, not even a single soul, would you hear a negative comment or disregard for uh, the morning of Atu in the right way. And, and, and lastly, when is the burial ceremony and where is it going to be? Well, as it stands now, uh, the government has allowed the family to go sit home, deliberate and then finalize the day and then uh, the date and then the venue where they would want to hold the final funeral rites uh, for uh, Christian Atu, traditionally in the Ghanaian community, regardless wherever you come from, the family has the sole right to decide when they would want to hold the final funeral right. So the government has left it to the family to decide and then relay the information through the Ghana Football Association and the Ministry of Sports. And once that is confirmed, the government will just make a public announcement so that um, they will take charge of the final funeral right and make it known to the public where and when Christian Atu would be finally later. And that was Kevin Awusu Ansa, sportscaster at Ghana's TV3. He spoke with me from Accra. The Commission Chief of the African Union says the organization is preparing a national reconciliation conference to help Libya restore stability.
Moussafaki Mahamat told the French news agency AFP that AU officials have met with the country's warring parties and are working on a date and place to get together. The talks will be chaired by the AU's uh, point man on Libya, Republic of Congo President Denis Sassou Nguesso. Faki says Libyans must talk to each other as a precondition to elections. Since last March, the administration in eastern Libya, led by military leader Khalifa Haftar, has challenged the UN-recognized government of Prime Minister Abdul Hamid Dabiba. Planned elections have been postponed over controversial candidates and rules of participation. Earlier this month, the UN mission in Libya announced a coordination mechanism has been set up to clear the country of more than 20,000 foreign fighters. In January, Burkina Faso gave France one month to withdraw its troops as it ended a military accord that allowed French troops to fight insurgents on its territory. Bagasi Kura is head of VOA's Bambara service, as he's, and he's on the line now to explain why the French forces left. Welcome to African News Tonight, Bagasi. Hi, good afternoon. So, can you tell us about the departure of the French troops, which took place over the weekend? Yes, there was a ceremony uh, on the outskirts of the capital, Ouagadougou, where uh, uh, French flag was lowered and Burkina flag raised in Bila Zagreb military camp. That's where the French troops, uh, about 400 of them, were based since uh, 2010. Uh, they've initially come into the country not to for Burkina Faso because they were looking for a place centrally located, uh, centrally located in the Sahel region, and Ouagadougou looked good for them, and they used that place not to intervene in Burkina, but outside of Burkina Faso, in Chad, in Mali, and in Mauritania, and also in Niger. It's only later on that Burkina Faso uh, leaders asked them if there was a way for them to intervene in Burkina Faso. So, so what what led to the departure? So there has been in 2022 two coup d'état, one on January 24, 2022, and the latest one was on September 30. Captain Ibrahim Traoré uh, took power, and uh, and uh, the coup was not going well in the first hours. The best way for them to have it happen quickly was to say that uh, French troops based in that we talked about were also helping the former regime they were trying to oust. And the military quickly realized that the anti-French sentiment is something that's politically good to use so that they can mobilize their base. And since then, they have been using the French as a, a punching bag. And finally, they asked them on January 18 to close the base. And because, as I said earlier, uh, the French were not initially in Burkina Faso to intervene in Burkina Faso. And also, despite the accord in 2018, they could not do anything in Burkina unless the Burkina Faso authorities asked them to do so. And uh, but uh, despite that, they are blamed for the security deterioration in the country 
although in the last two years they have been called upon to help the country. So this this, this departure now marks a new chapter in Burkina's battle with Islamist groups linked to Al-Qaeda and Islamic State. These groups have taken over large swaths of land and displaced millions of people in the wider Sahel region. So, Bagasi, who will be replacing France in the battle against the extremists? So uh, there have been talk about Russia, which is look like it will be... It will not be immediately. People talk about Wagner, but nothing is certain. What the junta has done so far is was to recruit 60,000 civilian volunteers, but for now they don't have weapon for them. People are getting trained. They have no weapon now. And uh, last week, uh, as uh, we reported at VOA here, there was a military plane that landed at a... Uh, gold industrial gold mine and asked them to open the coffer and give them the gold. They took 300 kilograms from one gold mine and 200 kilograms from another gold mine and it believed they would be using that to arm, to get weapons from the market and arm these civilians. So we don't know if the Russian will be coming, but uh, it has been mentioned. Bagasi Kura, head of VOA's Bambara Service. Thank you for your input. Thank you. On VOA Africa Radio, we let the sound tell you the story. News, sports, science and entertainment. Available to you 24-7. Tune in on your local FM stations. We are also available on the medium waves, 909 kHz and 1530 kilohertz. Our short waves are 6080, 15580, 4930, 15165, 15580 and 17530 kHz. VOA Africa, your trusted source for news and information. The Atlanta-based nonprofit Carter Center announced 98-year-old former U.S. President Jimmy Carter is receiving hospice care at his home in Plains, Georgia. VOA's Ken Farbaugh has more. Buffalo, New York native Suzanne Taylor says former President Jimmy Carter's declining health wasn't a surprise to her, but the announcement he was entering hospice care came as a shock. I have to admit that I cried at breakfast. That was a little bit of a wake-up call to me, that we really are uh, going to lose him at some point. Between 2006 and 2019, Taylor was among hundreds of volunteers working alongside Carter and his wife, Rosalind, on their annual Habitat for Humanity work project, building homes around the world for those in need. So many people really appreciate him. He's had such an impact, and it's going to be so hard to uh, close that chapter. It was sad because he has led such an epic American life. Jonathan Alter spent five years writing a biography about Jimmy Carter titled His Very Best that allowed him to interview and observe the former president before his health declined. But when you take stock of his life, He won at life. 98 years, longest-lived president. 
married for close to 77 years. After losing the presidency in a resounding defeat in 1980, Alter believes Carter's increased popularity came through his volunteerism with Habitat for Humanity, his efforts to promote peace and fight neglected tropical diseases through the programs of the Carter Center, and as the voice of a seasoned politician and elder statesman. This is a guy who, even though he was in business and thought about the bottom line plenty in the years before he was president, spent most of his life thinking about what what could he do to improve the lives of other people. And that's still extraordinarily rare. Carter's popularity also increased while traveling the country, autographing and promoting dozens of books he wrote, and by hosting crowds at his small church in Plains, Georgia, during his Sunday school lessons. Rosalind and Jimmy are accessible and gracious, and people feel like they really got to know him. Which is why Taylor believes the news of his deteriorating health is that much harder for many to accept. Kane Fairbaugh, VOA News, Chicago. Stay engaged with VOA Africa. You can call us 24-7 on WhatsApp and leave a message, comments, or greetings. Dial the international code plus one, then 202-258-3076. The number again is the international code plus one, then 202-258-3076. In 2014, Nigeria announced it had eliminated guinea worm disease in the country. The worm, usually ingested through contaminated water, grows in the human body and eventually erupts through the skin in painful sores. The Carter Center, founded by former U.S. President Jimmy Carter, led the campaign to eliminate the parasites. In 2014, Nigeria declared it was free of guinea worm disease. I spoke with the president, with President Carter, after the announcement, and now we have an encore excerpt presentation of our discussion. No, they can still drink water from the same rain pond uh, as before, but what the village has to do is to make sure that nobody goes into the uh, pond water waiting or to get another drink of water with guinea worm emerging from their bodies. So if the adult worms don't go into the water and lay new eggs, then a year later, if everybody does that, then a year later you won't have any more guinea worm ever unless somebody comes there from outside and uh, and goes into the water with a guinea worm coming out. What lessons learned from Nigeria could be applied to other countries? Well, to get as much uh, publicity as possible for the most remote areas of, uh, of the country and to recruit as much assistance as you can. This is uh, the key to it. Uh, quite often, the uh, people in the remote villages don't, they, they can't, they, they're illiterate, they, don't, they can't read and write. So we use uh, posters without words on it to tell the story about guinea worm, but you have to go to every single village individually. Is there anything you'd want to add, Mr. President, about efforts in Ethiopia, Mali, or Ghana? Well, I think the, the main thing to add is that we now know every case of, of uh, guinea worm on Earth. Uh, we are concentrating on supervising these people to make sure they don't spread the disease to other people. And we have had a very good reduction in the number of cases in, in all of the countries in the last uh, year. And we are very 
confident that in the near future we'll have complete success. That was President Jimmy Carter in 2014 talking to me about the elimination of Guinea worm disease in parts of Africa. And with that, we wrap up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. For all the latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Mokbilia Barrow, and our engineer, Al Santos, thanks for choosing The Voice of America. Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, 